Aloha and welcome back to SubFM. My name's Simon Hutchinson and in the SubFM podcast, I talk to people who can inspire and add to your experience of the sport. And in every episode, I talk to someone who's either done something incredible in SUP or who offers some learning and knowledge which adds something to your time on the water. This episode is brought to you in association with Starboard. Starboard has a history of board design and you can listen to the creator of the brand himself in episode 71, where I talked to Sven Rasmussen. He started by entering the windsurfing market in 1994 and he innovated with his designs and this led to the brand becoming market leader in only 10 years. Starboard got behind stand-up paddling really early and has supported the sport ever since. They've also focused on reducing their environmental impact while continuously improving and innovating with their boards and paddles to make them fit for the weekend warrior like me, as well as for the elite athletes like Fiona Wilde from episode number 26. And you can find out more about Starboard through their website, which is linked to in the show notes. You can catch up with SUPFM Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, of course. But if you wanted to keep it old school, we've just relaunched our SUPFM email newsletter, which goes out weekly with a whole lot of value added updates on future episodes, SUP news, starter packs and added extras. And if you subscribe, then as a thank you, you also get our guide to our favourite apps for free. And you can subscribe by heading over to our website supfmpodcast.com. This week, I really enjoyed chatting with the Irish paddler, Sabouti, who is apparently also known as Dave Ludgate. And Dave comes from Cork on the south coast of Ireland. Cork is well known for its relaxed conversation, and it's close to the legendary Blarney Stone, which uh, grants you the gift of eloquence or the gift of the gab. And so it was no surprise that this was a really relaxed chat and it kind of felt like we were chatting in the pub. We talk about Ireland as a sup destination, the stand-up paddle scene in general and some of his favourite places both locally and nationally to paddle. Dave spent a huge amount of time on the water and in addition to sup has been a long-time windsurfer and he cares deeply about the water environment and has spent a huge amount of his time getting involved in cleanups and organisations like Planet Patrol to clear plastics and make the water a better place. So here's someone who I'm really looking forward to having a pint of the black stuff with, Dave Ludgate, aka Sabouti. Hey Dave, welcome to SUP FM. Hi Simon, um, thanks thanks for the invite. I'm honoured to be here with such an illustrious participant list that you have. It's, it's a humbling experience, so thank you. It's great to have you on Dave. You're known as a, a leading supper from Ireland, as someone who's really got behind the clean-up of your local waters. But my first burning question would be why you're known as Sabouti, and secondly, how did you get your start in SUP? I was, I was wondering when that question would come up. All right, so it's um, the name is entirely made up. Um, it's actually an amalgamation of the names of the three most important women in my life, believe it or not. So I did it because I just wanted it to mean nothing, if you know what I mean, but it means a lot to me, but I wanted it to mean nothing out there. And then the fact that it's one of those words that can be pronounced 
a lot of different ways. And that I think that kind of engages people as well. I think actually in Spanish, I think it means your bow tie, which I, I didn't think about uh, until I <laughs> had set it up. But yeah, it was. it's just one of those things. I just wanted it to kind of um, mean nothing really in a way. Well, you're lucky it, it doesn't mean something very rude. I, I know that uh, sometimes that, that's the risk. How did you get into to SUP? So I guess I, I've kind of been raised in the water more or less. My, my parents were, were big time water people. My dad windsurfed. Um, they sailed a lot before they had us, before they had to sell all their stuff. And, and we just, every summer, we were on the beach. So we didn't really take foreign holidays. We used to go to West Cork a lot. Even after school, I can remember on a hot day, mum would be waiting with all the beach gear in the car and, and we'd be straight down to the beach. So yeah, I was pretty much raised in water. Then, you know, in places like West Cork, I suppose I started getting into kind of um, the surf paddleboard, or sorry, surf bodyboarding, anything to do with the water, snorkeling, just in the water all day long. We had wetsuits that we nearly wore through by the end of the summer. So paddleboarding for me is relatively late I suppose when I was a teenager I got into windsurfing like my dad and my first experience with paddleboarding then was around I think it was 2009 I was I was at one of the windsurfing events the Irish Slalom series in Bantry in West Cork and on the second day of the competition there wasn't a puff of wind I think someone someone commented that if a fish farted you would have seen the bubbles on the water it was that calm so obviously we couldn't race, but one of my friends, the organizer of the event, actually appears from BigSurfShop.com, had brought down a few of these paddle boards, the original red paddle boards, as a demo. And we just, we had a few fun races and kind of goofed around on it. And like, to be honest, I was a bit skeptical. I thought this is a bit of a fad. I'm not sure it's going to take off. But I liked the idea of it as being kind of a, an alternative to windsurfing on the non-windy days so I could still I could still get my fix on the water so I did I looked around on the kind of the used uh, websites over here and I found an old custom escape board made I think they're made in Cornwall aren't they and it was it was in bad condition it was a 10 foot 10 by 27 inches wide it was a, like shaped like an old longboard gel coat was all chipping off it it was nasty but it was like it was for sale for a couple of hundred quid so i said oh, i'll get this and i kind of got into it you know it had a big heavy aluminium paddle so i i started playing around in flat water a little bit of waves and then i suppose my big epiphany moment was um in my old job, I moved to America in 2011, and the first year I was there, I lived in central Pennsylvania, which is, you know, a six-hour round trip to get to the coast. So I was thinking, God, you know, how am I going to get my water sports fix here? So I started looking up SEP and found a lot of places. Actually, I was surprised. Um, rentals. So I got to kind of explore. I was over there on my own, more or less, living out of a hotel, but through rentals, I got to explore rivers, lakes, and then get to know people. And in the second year I was there, I moved to upstate New York in the kind of Adirondack uh, region there in the National Park. And wow. that, that was the game changer for me. So I would hire boards and, you know, go up through Lake George and just to explore an area from the water for, for me anyway is, is just the best way to do it. And then paddleboarding came into its own in that, you know, you're cruising along all you hear is maybe a light, a light splashing of the water off the board, but you can, you know, you get the full extent of nature. You know, I've, I, when I was up there, I saw 
bald-headed eagles, you know, things that I would never see here in Cork. And it was just magic. And then through that, I met a couple called Mike and Carlo who ran paddlehead boards um, just south of Albany, New York. And they ran a, a paddle club every Tuesday night. So we'd all go for a paddle and then we'd have a barbecue and a few beers and got to meet a load of people, like-minded people that way. And, uh, you know, Mike and Carla's stoke for the sport was infectious and, and it really rubbed off on me. And I kind of thought, you know what, I want to bring this back to Ireland and I want to help spread this a similar stoke as well. So when I returned to Ireland, I, I, I got into it big time then. I, I kind of windsurfing took a backseat actually and you know I kind of went through various boards and got involved in as much stuff as I could so you know it was taking it out in waves which is which is amazing a little bit of racing I'm not fast I was never built for speed in any sport that I've ever done but the exploring side of it was just magic for me because you know I could I would bring I'd bring a snorkel with me and a, and, a, and an anchor and I'd, I'd anchor and just go snorkeling off it if the water was clear or my previous job, I used to travel around Ireland a lot as well, so I'd always have the inflatable in the back with me, and if I saw a body of water, I mean, this is the simplest thing about the beauty of sub for me, is all you need is a body of water, and you're out, you're bored, you're paddle, and you're gone. So yeah, yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed it. And that introduction up in uh, upstate New York, seeing that fantastic landscape, so it sounds like that was the hook, it was the nature and, and the sociability thing. And um, certainly, you know, you'd have both of those in spades in in Ireland. So I, I do want to talk about your environmental efforts locally and also about Cork as a supping destination. But first, um, it's your little bit, I think, for the Irish Tourist Board here. Could you tell us a bit in general about supping in Ireland? Because my guess is, is that in Ireland, like the rest of the world, you've seen a, a big growth in the sport over the last few years. Yeah, huge. I mean, even when I returned in 2013 from America, I could see the growth then. Obviously, it's grown exponentially through the last, whatever it is, 18 months with lockdown and with the, I think every country has seen that. But yeah, it's what what I loved about it was it's so inclusive was the biggest thing for me. I remember meeting someone that said, you know, if you can stand on one leg, you can paddleboard. And they're right. It's, you know, windsurfing and kite surfing surfing you know they're quite technical sports water sports to be able to get loads of people out on the water with a paddle and and a board uh, and obviously the accessories is is just fantastic as i say i'm just i'm trying to share what i get out of it with everyone else and it's you know it's not a secret there's not secret spots i don't like any of that kind of stuff that you know goes on in other water sports it's the more the merrier and you know this we get events um here locally i mean I, I suppose i don't want to speak too much for for the entire country there are probably people better better place than me to talk about it but you know we have we have the ocean to city race here in cork harbor as part of the harbor festival and it's it's it is a paddleboarding race in it which has been running for i could get shot here now but i think five or six years maybe seven years um but it, it's it's for all paddle sports so you know you've kayaks you've uh, ocean kayaks you sit on tops you've curricks you've rowing boats uh, of all descriptions i know nothing about rowing boats but every different shape size and we all do it together so cork harbor is great here so cork harbor is it's the second biggest natural harbor in the world and when they run this race they do it all together 
so you're literally paddling along and you could you could be passed by 10 people in a kirk or or you know a guy on a sit on top and you'd have a chat while you're doing it it's as i say speed was never my forte so i i like the social element of it more than anything else and sap is generally quite democratic in that you can make it as difficult or as easy as you want you know you can you can make it as adrenaline or not uh, as you like so Let's just quickly talk a, a bit about the, the surf sup scene because it's the West Coast there, isn't it, that tends to get the, the waves from autumn through to, to spring. Um, tell me how much you immerse yourself in that world. Yeah, I suppose to be fair to the East Coast, they do they do get swell over there as well. I, I don't want to ex- exclude them. So yeah, occasionally that there is a, an easterly swell up, even in the Irish Sea. I've seen I've seen some great photos of, of of lovely surfing up there. I mean, for me, surfing is you know there's two two things: uh, catching a wave on whatever format you're on, and and when you're windsurfing as well, it's just a feeling that I I, I can't explain, and it's it's incomparable. It's 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 something you do when you just want to do more and more so like if i had to if there was a gun to my head and i had to give up all other types of, of paddle boarding yeah surfing would be the one for me the problem is it's it's quite fickle i suppose you know yourself you get days where it closes out or or you're not in form and you keep falling off or but you know at the end of the day there's no such thing as a bad day on the water like for me i i wouldn't be going out and you know huge gnarly conditions you know you know shoulder high will do me uh, anything below that a couple of feet will do me I'm, I'm just happy to catch a wave as far as the scene goes yeah i mean again there's probably people better better place to talk about it than me but there are there are competitions that they run up in, in sligo and mayo which again like the windsurfing competitions we used to run are very hard to organize because you need the weather gods to play ball as well to, to mobilize all these people but yeah i mean it's it, it, it's I suppose it's 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 like sup in a way, you know. Any any discipline, it's that it's very inclusive. Again, there's not there's not a whole lot of elitism in it, which I love. When I windsurf back in the mid '90s, there was a lot of elitism in this country, and I'd say maybe further afield, where it was all about what equipment you have, blah blah blah. Whereas you know, sup surfing supping in general is just about getting out on the water and having fun you know they, they say the best the best person the best surfer is the guy with the biggest smile on his face and I, I love that that that's what it is for me and yeah as you say the west coast is magic you can go anywhere on the west coast we get a prevailing southwest as well and it's you know you you'll get waves and luckily the beaches are never that crowded. I, I, I haven't personally. I've never experienced any kind of localism or any any grief on the water yeah, from prone surfers. From anyone, uh, I'm sure maybe they've taught it a few times, but I've never I've never been approached. I, I don't think I've done anything too stupid. And I like to think I'm quite aware of you know the advantages that a, a, a stand up paddleboarder has over a prone surfer. You know, um, obviously we can catch the wave earlier and we can see the set coming from far, further off. So if there are prone surfers out there, I like to let them have, have their share first and, and catch whatever I can afterwards. Absolutely. And, and that's something that was, you know, quite controversial, I guess, or something that was flagged as a particular danger. And it's nice to hear that around the, the prone surfers. It's something that um, unfortunately happens occasionally in spots around the UK. I'm probably the equivalent of uh, the east coast uh, of Ireland surfer because where I, I am it's not the coasts of Devon and Cornwall which get 
all of that lovely Atlantic swell here. Everything has to be running in exactly the, the right direction. And that makes you even more appreciative of when the, the surf is right. And, uh, you know, good surf days have completely ruined my flat water paddles. I still go out and do it. But my God, yeah, I'm, I'm out at whatever time, at whatever temperature, if there's slightest suspicion of a swell. So you mentioned the race in Cork. Are there any other specialists up races? What's the, the racing scene like in Ireland? Uh, I suppose relative to you guys in the UK, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be that big at all. I'm open to correction on this, but there are a few races held um, nationally. There wouldn't be anything like a, a league or anything like that. I mean, I know people have tried even to start kind of just social races. You know, Dublin would have obviously the biggest population and probably the biggest subpopulation with it. And, and I know they've kind of struggled to, to even get this, the social races going, you know, to get people out on a Tuesday or whatever, which is a shame because, again, from a social point of view, it's great. But I, I've seen a few more coming up on Facebook now and stuff, which is great. So there's there's one in Waterford actually coming up soon. And there's one, even one of the local rowing clubs here on the harbour is having, a, it's kind of a kayak and rowing race. It's just kind of, a, it's a charity fundraiser. But I asked, could, could paddleboarders come? And they said, yeah, look, there's a, there's a five kilometre kayak, sit on kayak um, course. You can do that if you, if, you, if you can keep up with the kayakers. I said, yeah, let's do it. Um, sounds great. So it's, very much in its infancy. I mean, I know even from the windsurfing racing scene, even that's tricky as well, you know, to get people to commit to, to weekends and then hope that the weather does its thing as well. So it, it is difficult. I think just the numbers, obviously, relatively speaking to you guys in the UK are, are a lot smaller here as well. But there are there's some people out there who are very good. Some people hopefully will will do very well out of it as well. So it's, it's, it's a shame if they don't get to showcase their, their abilities here. Well, I've got a recruit potentially for you, Paul O'Donovan, who the brothers who won the, um, I think the silver at Rio, and I think he won the gold in in Tokyo. He's a County Cork man, isn't he? He is. He gives very good interviews, um, <laughs> he and he's tell us a little bit about him because he's he's quite a character. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, the two of them. So his brother, uh, it's Gary, I believe. I hope I get that right now. Two characters, in fairness. I remember the Rio interviews, right? So they, they're from Skibreen, which is down in West Cork. It's about uh, an hour and a half from Cork. Um, lovely part of the world. They, they row on the, the Illan River there. And they have a phenomenal amount of top-class rowers come out of that uh, rowing club. There, there must be something in the water down there. But these guys, obviously, you know, they're they're... Well, they're now the best at what they do, but they are characters as well. They have that that West Cork humour. I, I put my hands up. I've never met them. I don't know them from, from Adam, to, to be honest. Mm. But yeah, even the interviews, they're great. They got, I remember after Rio, they got a few kind of promotional things as well, a few ads and stuff, which was great to, to push it. And, and look, they, they may as well make hay while they can out of it. But even, even Gary, I think, was he was on the team this year in Tokyo, you know, he was maybe the third man. So if something happened mm. to one of them, Gary would have stepped in. So he, he was that close to a gold medal himself. I don't know if they've ever tried stand-up paddleboarding, actually. That that would be an interesting question to put to them. So that's your, your task then to, uh, <laughs> yeah, to, to recruit them. them up. But I mean, it certainly looks like Ireland and water sports generally it is on the up. And it's so good to hear that about SUP as well. So I, I guess the other sort of element of SUP, which I guess you know, there is most opportunity for in the 
in your beautiful countryside is is touring. Yeah, how much have you got out there, and and what would be the main trips if people were going to come over and uh, and spend a weekend or a week in Ireland? What would be the the, the best locations to go out? Would you say? Yeah, that's it's a great question because I mean there isn't really. I mean, everywhere is the real simple answer, but, you know, obviously the coastline is amazing. The West Coast, uh, the East Coast, even the North, and, and I haven't spent enough time in the North, um, which is, you know, probably even more spectacular again. But even even the inland waterways, you know, I find very interesting. Like, I live on the harbour here, and I love exploring the harbour. As I say, it's huge. There's, it's a different thing to see every day. But also the rivers, I like, again, I, I'll be Cork-based here, and I have been... It's funny you mention it because I have been researching as well. I'm, I'm probably going to try and put an article together on it. But, you know, the kind of the the one-way expeditions, I, I love those. So you, you drive a car up to, to one end of the river and you paddle down to the car at the other end. So even, you know, the River Bandon, which finishes up in Kinsale, is, is magic. You know, you can spend a couple hours paddling down and then finish up in Kinsale which in, mm. in itself is a great paddle location. I've done I've done the River Lee here, which goes through the city pretty much from, from the ocean up to where you, you can walk sections of it nearly to the dam. The River Blackwater then, which is on the Cork Water, Waterford um, border, is, is an amazing paddle. So, you know, the, the history on these rivers as well, you know, you can't go uh, every couple of miles is an old castle ruin or something, which has some kind of huge history to it. I, I'm not a, a history buff, but, you know, it's it's fascinating from that point of view. But there is, you know, I've I've been paddleboarding since I said, since whatever it is, 2009. I'm only scratching the surface on it as well. You know, we did a paddle last summer where we went around the old Hedekin Sail and actually through the old Hedekin Sail. So there's, there's sea caves there that you can paddle all the way through. And it's just it's just an amazing experience. You, you come out at the other end, and there's a big sea stack in front of you with all the um, with all the birds on it. It's it's just otherworldly. It's amazing. Um, but I suppose like that, and you know, with the proliferation of, of SUP in worldwide, and, and the fact that you can buy boards nearly anywhere now, it's you know, safety is a huge issue as well. That you know, mm-hmm. the coast especially the West Coast, because it is the open Atlantic, it can change very quickly. You know, we had we had two people last summer went out off the West Coast in, in just normal conditions. They got caught in an offshore wind and they actually spent, spent the night clinging. They tied their boards together, which was great. They spent their night, the night clinging to a lobster pot off the cliffs of Moher, you know, off the islands out there and were unbelievably lucky to be rescued the following day so you know there is that side to it too i don't want to be all uh, doom and gloom on it but you know safety for me is huge so you know some of those paddles those coastal paddles i would say you know go to a local school or or a shop or something a surf shop and find out who who would know when and where to go and who might even accompany on it or i know personally I paddled for years and years and years and I never got a lesson. And I think it was last year, two years ago, I decided to do the instructor course with the ASI. And with that, you get you get a subways lesson at the, at the start, it's called. With um, I did it with Paul Byrne here in, in, in Ireland, in Dublin. And I learned more in that hour session than I had in the previous, whatever it was, 10 years. Just, you know, little things on paddle stroke and stuff where 
eye openers and, and obviously the safety side of it as well and the rescue thing. I think everyone who, who goes out paddleboarding should know how to rescue someone out of the water. I think it would be it would be great if we could somehow tie that in. Definitely. Yeah. Safety is a, a huge thing. And as you say, sometimes people l- look at it as the glum bit or the boring bit. Actually, it's a way to connect yourself to the water far more if you understand the conditions and what's happening at any particular time. And we've just we've just done a, a whole load of episodes just before we kicked off this season. And uh, I was telling someone earlier this week that of the four episodes, you know, about ice ups and core skills and, you know, we had one in there about safety. Safety was the least downloaded by quite some degree because obviously, you know, I guess people think it's going to be a bit do. The other thing as well is the instruction element to it. So learning about tides, learning about offshore winds, planning and so on. I did a huge amount of learning during my instructor qualification, but me and Nick also put together a safety course and I learned masses from just putting all of that together. I think it dials back to the instructor stuff, which is the way that you really understand what you're doing is by teaching other people. And it's fabulously important i think the other thing is the the consideration that it'll never happen to me and i'm pretty experienced but i've been caught out once or twice and it's uh, not a happy place to be is it no and and as i as i wrote in the the article in in the last sub mag uk you know I, I'm, I've always been fascinated by water, but I, I started out being terrified by the ocean. And, and I still mm-hmm. have I still have that fear because things change just in the drop of a hat. And, you know, you can never you can never prepare for that unless you're mm-hmm. in it. But all you can do is and I'm probably a bit of a nerd on it. All you can do is, you know, as you say, what you've done, read up about it, look on it, you know, any courses that are there, you know, there's plenty of stuff online even just to learn about tides and water and, and what you think you might do if things go, go wrong. Mm, it's all about being flexible and uh, having, a, having a backup plan. So let, let's move on and talk about the environment because you've talked about nature and your love for nature and um, that element of a, of a hook for, which started you uh, in SUP. Now, you've been really, really active in terms of the environmental aspect and and clearing up elements round about you. Just tell us about how you started that. Yeah, so as you say, yeah, I've I've always been kind of environmentally minded. I I think I joined Surface Against Sewage when I was 16, which is kind of funny because I don't think they had a presence in Ireland back in 1996. But, you know, it's something that kind of always fascinated me. And then I've always loved sports, obviously water sports, that don't involve an engine, if that makes sense, that are kind of self-propelled because because I believe it does get you closer to nature. You know, you, you tend not to disturb things as much when you're not don't have a big roaring engine behind you. So the 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 environmental and the cleaning up aspect kind of started uh, maybe six, seven, eight years ago for me. I I'm a member of my local cleanup group here in Black Rock, and we do monthly cleanups on the land, but uh, on on with the walkways, the public walkways that are adjacent to the harbour. And then when I was getting into paddleboarding, you know, I saw people like Lizzie Carr and Cal Major doing what they were doing back then. And I thought, Jesus, that's great. You know, and what I was, I suppose, selfishly, what I was looking for is a way of kind of prolonging my time on the water. As I say, mm-hmm. there's, there's never a bad day when you're on the water. So when I was out around the harbour, especially here, 
I, you know, I, I started noticing floating debris a lot more. So then I was like, you know what, I'll just, I'll just pick up some stuff and put it, put it under the straps on the board or put it at my feet. And that kind of spiraled a little bit then. And, you know, I kind of thought, you know, I could fill a basket here. So I started bringing out baskets with me and with the help of Clean Coast as well. So a charity organization here in Ireland, they've helped me along with kind of the equipment side of things. And then through social media, which I'm not, honestly, I'm not a, a great fan of, but I, I had left social media entirely kind of 2014, 2015. But I set up the Saboti pages again to try and kind of just raise awareness around this and to promote our kind of waterways and, and, and coastline that we have over here and get people out and, and, and then maybe raise the awareness about the litter side of things as well with clean coasts. So set that up and contacted you know it's the beauty of social media i don't like it in general but the beauty of it is you can contact people obviously you know i'm here talking to you now because of social media essentially and and i know we've been following each other for a while so it's, it's good to get to talk to you so i i set it up and i contacted people and, and i met online very like-minded people and kind of got inspiration from that and then met andy from fat stick and and mark from north coast wetsuits and they kind of again as i say they were like-minded they they were in into what I was doing themselves. So, you know, they saw an opportunity maybe in me as well and, and they've helped me out. So again, it all it all prolongs my time on the water. So I've combined kind of the, the passion, the, the cleanup element, the environmental element with my passion for paddleboarding. And and it's been great. You know, the response to it is great. It's I've I've kind of set myself that I I try to keep it positive, even though it's I suppose it's a negative element, but you know just to show cleaning up, not to start kind of preaching. I, I think there's no better way to turn people off than start preaching at them or or to be kind of negative saying, you know, you're doing this, you know, whether it's a corporation or a government or a person or whatever, you know, I, I've just tried to do it on the positive way. And, and it's been great. As I say, the feedback's been good. It's it's nice and laid back. It, it doesn't take up all of my time. I do have a day job as well, but it's been great i mean i love it around here because i'm five minutes from the water so i can get on the river here and i can paddle up to the city and even to see people looking over the bridges down into the water where they just thought it was a river to see someone actually using it recreationally and then and then look at them going jesus that lunatic's picking up bottles and stuff as well you know 99 percent of people think that i am probably a lunatic and don't think more of it but you know the one percent that go Maybe maybe we should do something about stopping the stuff going into the river in the first place. Is you know that's that's all I want to do because, you know, I've always said our monthly cleanups that we do here in Black Rock, we're scratching the surface. We we clean an area next to the castle here, which is kind of a natural eddy for the river, so all of the stuff floats down from the city and gets caught there. We clean it every month, and every month we come back and it looks the exact same again. But it's you know people see us doing it, and and hopefully. Maybe some people will uh, think differently about their actions or, or even their consumption as well. Like I, I, I have said that there are certain things we find that are kind of a deeper societal issue in terms of, you know, alcohol cans and bottles or, or even worse, again, you know, drug paraphernalia. And, and that's that's a different ballgame altogether. But, the you know, the Coke bottles, the, the burger wrappers, the you know, all of these things, they just... They drive me nuts. I try not to dwell on it because, you know, you wouldn't get out of bed in the morning. But um, as I say, it's it's helped to raise the awareness and it's 
opened up doors for me uh, in meeting like-minded people and, and that gives me the fill up then to say hey there's, there's other lunatics out there like me you know I know you you did a great um, interview with Joe from Sub Garbage Man and, and that, yeah. guy's, that guy's a huge inspiration well I was going to mention him actually that was episode 36 I've got it down in notes because because you you strike me as having quite a few similarities with him and particularly what you said about keeping it light because no one likes to be shamed and it's not a good way of influencing people but featuring some of the things that you've found and and providing that positive example is is such an in, important thing so you've cleared some pretty weird stuff haven't you from the rivers yes yes absolutely nearly nearly everything so kind of you know the usuals as i say the bottles the cans everything else the the sanitary products so i've i've kind of a big bugbear about them as well but we have um so the city has a main sewerage plant down on the harbor and and to be fair to it, it does its job very well. But things like cotton buds, you know, the plastic sticks from cotton buds, they go through it. They don't get caught in the filtration system. So that's not necessarily an issue for the wastewater treatment plants. It's an issue for the people flushing them down the toilet. You know, Clean Coast did a great um, program here called the Think Before You Flush um, campaign, which was great because it said, you know, there's only three things that should go down the toilet and they all begin with pee. And, and one of them's paper, which is, you know, which is true. And, and look, I'll put my hands up as well when, when I, you know, it's, it's education as well. So before I kind of learned about microplastics and all these things, I was completely oblivious to them. You know, you kind of think, you know, what goes in the bin or what goes down the toilet or wherever is, is a way, but it's, it's not a way. And, you know, when you're out on the water and you see it coming back, you're going, OK, this this system is broken, you know we need to do something about it and obviously there's a lot of things we can do and there's a lot of things that should be done at the highest levels and, and to me they are the more important things but we need to we need to maybe start campaigning or, or, or lobbying the people at the higher levels to take action there's i don't want to get too political now again on it but you know there's there's, there's a lot of pushback on kind of individual actions which are necessary but you know i think Paul Hawkins said that if, if everybody does a little, then we get a little done. But what we need is, you know, you know, deposit return schemes, these kind of major um, um, campaigns to run to stop these plastic bottles coming back and, 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 and entering the environment. And, and this is where shame maybe works where it comes to dealing with companies. And you mentioned Plastic Patrol. I know you've done... Um, a bit of work with um, Lizzie Carr. J- just explain to us a little bit about how it works and and why it's different to the normal sort of clear up type schemes. Yes, I, as I say, I took inspiration from Lizzie and what she's done and and the events that they organise through. I think it's called Planet Patrol now. Actually, again, I'm open to correction on that. But you know, so organised cleanups where. The paddle boards, the paddles, everything is provided, the bins, the, 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 the pickers, is kind of something that I toyed around with here as well, because there is nothing like that here. So that's kind of why I started getting, you know, the clean coast thing and then getting the instructor qualification as well, because I don't know what it's like in the UK, but the insurance issues here are huge. So mm. I was, you know, I was looking at the Planet, Planet Patrol model and maybe thinking of offering that to, to corporations, you know, as maybe team building or CSR or whatever the umbrella they want to put it under where we take a, a team out and they'll roll up their sleeves, go out and paddle boards and, and pick stuff up. So it's kind of, it's something that could still happen. It's, I know Lizzie's taking it beyond the UK now, I think. Um, I think 
can't remember what country, but she's moving it out, which is great. I know she's done kind of awareness battles as well on the Hudson in New York and stuff. So um, it's a fantastic initiative, and you you don't have to do it just with a structured paddle. And this is the thing that I think so clever about the model that she's got, which is the uh, patrol app where you can log all of your finds there. You can take a photo. So while it's brilliant to, to clear these things off the beach or off the, the river or even out of your park, because you can do it there as well, it's much better to take a couple of minutes, take a photo of it, record what it is that you've found. And then what happens is Plastic Patrol put that all together through a collation and they use that information to leverage change on a slightly bigger level which is a, a fantastic initiative yeah absolutely and we you know we have something similar here called open litter map which is you know not as you say not just waterways you can do it on the street and and, and it logs everything i believe in real time and it's totally open source then so anyone can take the information from it whether it's academic or or as you say maybe campaigning or lobbying it's a great way of doing it because it's, it's actual statistical evidence of of different types of, of litter as well one of the interesting things about water pollution is, is it goes down to that very micro level. And obviously plastics is a big thing and quite rightly has a lot of focus. But I was speaking to a marine biologist from University of Portsmouth who was talking about disposal of pharmaceuticals. So that's another thing which really does need to be highlighted. I'm not sure and and wouldn't put you on the spot by asking you as to whether or not pharmacists in Ireland have a, a disposal program for that. But just in terms of disposing of pharmaceuticals by flushing them down the loo, there is a an effect which is to pollute marine life and affect their behaviour. So, you know, it's important to focus on on every level of the stuff. And I think that comes back to your three P's. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, that's a nice way of putting it, that it's covered under that as well. But, you know, as you say, it's, it's the same here. You know, pharmacists will take back your, your out of date, whatever it is, prescriptions. And it's, 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 it's vital. And again, it's probably one of those educational things as well. You know, in fairness, my wife is always saying to me that, you know, a lot of people just don't know this. And I'm, you know, in, in the heat of the moment, I'm like, oh, that's not a defense. But it actually is because, you know, I was that person as well for various other things. And, and you know, there needs to be campaigns about this because, as you say, you know, if that stuff gets out into the into the environment, it's going to come back on us eventually. And, and I hate to I hate that that's the drum that has to be beaten for people to take action. You know, like even the microplastics, it wasn't a shock until people found that, oh, actually, wait, it's in our food. You know, it, it was an issue long before then, but oh, oh, wait, this actually affects me now. Maybe I'll start taking, uh, keeping an eye on this. And, and the pharmaceutical and the, you know, the, yeah, the, the pharmaceutical stuff, the, uh, I'm sorry, the antibiotic issues as well, which, which are going to be huge. And we are going to pay for that as well. You know, just being too free with antibiotics in general and then, yeah, flushing them down the toilet is, is, is terrible. Just to sort of cover a slightly more cheerful subject, um, yes. cork and paddling cork. I mean, obviously, there is an array of fantastic places to eat and certainly I know to, to drink in that area. Just tell us a little bit about some of your, your favourite routes around cork and what sort of things you can you, you see when you're, you're paddling around the, the, around the city and in the county. 
Yeah, I suppose, you know, I'm definitely biased because I'm from Cork and uh, apparently uh, it's a condition of uh, known as Corkness, right, that um, there's a superiority complex. I'm not sure that exists at all, but uh, that's what, so I'm told. So, yeah, I mean, we, we are very, very lucky here. You know, we're the biggest county in, in Ireland as well. So we have a lot of coastline. We have kind of a southern and a west, so a, a, a southwest facing coastline. So we, we kind of get it all. But, you know, we have inland waterways and lakes that are amazing as well. So, as I say, I'm, I'm only scratching the surface on most of it. But there's, there's something for everyone. I, I love, because it's easiest for me, I love paddling around the city and seeing the reactions from, from people um, up on the Keys. Like we do, we do a thing roughly every month where... I don't know if you know Cork City, but it's actually it's, it's it's built in a marsh, and basically the city centre is an island. So you can actually, if you get the tides right and, and the flow from from the dam, you can paddle all around the island, do a full lap. But it's about seven oh, kilometres. Yeah, so it's you, you have to get the timing right to get under the bridges. So there's enough water to get under the bridges, but uh, or not, sorry, not too much water that you can fit under the bridges, and enough water that you can get over the weirs. But it's amazing. We do it with kayakers and basically anyone who wants to. And we did it last last weekend, two weekends ago. And there was, you know, there was 40 boats on it. It was amazing. So I, I love doing that. Yeah, back to the surfing. I just, you know, this, the beach is kind of from from kind of Kinsale West. You know, they're just amazing. They're, they're usually not too crowded in terms of the lineup. But even I've discovered recently, as I'm getting more adventurous, the, you know, even East Cork, uh, as you head to Waterford, there's some lovely beaches there, again, with, with good swells. You know, they might need a bit more of an easterly swell, but it happens every now and then, and it's great. The exploring ones, as I say, you know, the trip around the old head is, is amazing. Um, I'm very fortunate as well that we we, we spent our summers down in, in West Cork and Crookhaven, Barley Cove area, and... Um, which has it all again, even in a small area. So there's there's a lovely sheltered harbour there that you can paddle around and, and it's a great place to learn. You can go outside that then and go through sea caves and, and sea cliffs and, and, and see basically the, the wild Atlantic away from the water. And then there's there's two beaches there as well that, that have great surf whenever the swell rolls in. And if you get really adventurous, I haven't done it yet, but I, it's been known. I know two paddlers who've paddled around the, the Fastnet um, Lighthouse as well, which is an incredible paddle. Oh, that's incredible. And um, where's Riley's? Because that's a well-known wave. I'm probably more like you, sort of shoulder height is about enough for me. Whereabouts is that? Because that's a legendary uh, break, isn't it? Yeah, I believe that's in Clare. I, I'm sure I'll be corrected if I'm wrong, but I believe it's in Clare there around the... Um, the cliffs and more there under the cliffs is, is that aliens it's, i think they're similar waves anyway but yeah that's the kind of stuff i i, I i'd like to watch from a boat or maybe a video <laughs> quite right that sounds absolutely fantastic what an amazing location to paddle just one final question and it's one that tends to obsess tourers in the uk which is around inland waterways and launch fees and all of that sort of stuff what's the situation in terms of irish rivers and estuaries and and inland water in terms of um, licenses and all of that sort of stuff yeah so so again compared to to what you guys have there we are incredibly lucky here it was only through social media that i realized that you actually need a a license on certain waters in the uk to paddle there's there's no such thing here all of all of the the rivers um and lakes are are public land if you like so anyone can go out in them there are a, a few reservoirs i know that are 
run by the, the, the electricity supply board. So they are, they're gray areas. I, I don't think it's, it's, you're permitted to paddle on them, especially around the dams and what, uh, the intakes and what have you. But everywhere else is, is fair game. You know, the, the, there's different authorities, like in, in Cork here, it's, it's the port of are responsible for the harbour. And then when it gets up to the city, it's the city council beyond that. But to be honest with you, you know, there's, there's no rules. I mean, there's, there's a speed limit of six knots. If you're doing over that, I, I congratulate you on a paddleboard. So. I'm beginning to suspect that we might be in a, in the minority in the UK. I, but I shall continue my investigations. David, we connected quite some time ago, so it's fantastic to, to actually get to speak. Um, really appreciate your time today. If people wanted to find out more about you, where would they go? Yeah, it's uh, again, it's the beauty of um, the beauty of social media. So you'll find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram under Saboti. So S U B O W T I, completely made up word. Brilliant, excellent, and links in the show notes. Thanks so much, Dave. Hopefully, see you on the waters of Cork in the not too distant future. Yeah, thanks again, Simon, and it's great to talk to you after after all these years. All right. Well, thank you for listening, and I hope, like me, you've now got County Cork solidly on your bucket list. Thanks to Dave for the chat, and as ever, we've got all of the links in the show notes. So that's it for this week. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the water.